Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this week, guys, I had my question of the week that I was asking people, what's your favorite water bottle? So some of the answers, uh, Fitz's in the Loop on Del Mar, Quick Trip, I thought that was rather interesting, but they really up their names, so that's a good place to stop. Urban Chestnut. Starbucks was until Panera came out with their $8.99 deal, and so it seemed like Panera became uh, the watering hole of choice. Sasha's Wine Bar, Whiskey Ring. What I like best was the water fountain at the zoo. I think we all know we met at the zoo on a hot day in the summer and how great it is to be able to see that watering fountain and to be able to have the drink. We all know what it is to thirst. We all know how thirsty we can get. But no matter which one is your favorite of the hills I mentioned or another one that you might have, all of them would have a sign saying, if you drink here, you will be thirsty again. I'd like this morning to have us take a look at the gospel lesson at just the right time by this well, Jacob's well. Jesus met a Samaritan woman. So we're going to read portions of this together, and then I'll be talking about that. So let's read these first uh, verses, verses 9 together. So Jesus came to a Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus feared as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you wish you ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no meetings with Samaritans. So the first thing that really grabbed me, uh, Jesus was wearied from his journey. I don't know about you, but this has been a weary week. Just lots of things uh, that's happening in, in the life of the church, uh, in my own personal life, and in the world that we live. A lot of things that are wearying us. So when we see the humanity of Jesus, that God came himself in the flesh, that he knows the weary journey that we are on. He knows how life can be a struggle, both personally, individually, for our families, for the world that we live in, our neighborhoods, our cities, all sorts of things can weary us. So when you see that Jesus was weary from his journey, and he sits by this world, we can just picture but he can picture also us and how we are struggling with life, the journey of life. But there's also a problem that this text brings to us, that this woman was a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews did not come together. Uh, they clashed like the Cubs clashed with the Cardinals, uh, the Blues with the Blackhawks, the county with the city. But it is really this unbelievable, perhaps we couldn't even imagine, how these two groups. 
groups could never come together. And for her being a woman, and Jesus being a man, a woman and a man in that culture would never visit with one another. And so to see her come at a very odd time, she comes at noon. In those days, most of the women would have gone and got the water early in the morning when it was cool, take the water back to their home to do whatever they needed with the water, but also that they would be out working. But this Samaritan woman comes at noon, very often, probably not wanting to see anyone, because she was so socially outcast, marginalized, probably didn't want anyone to be gossiping about her and her lifestyle. And so she came at a very odd time, hoping no one would be there. But who does she meet? She meets Jesus. But Jesus doesn't talk about the problem of him being a man and her being a woman, or that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Instead, he goes into something much deeper. So we read out again, verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the water to drink from it himself, as did his sons and his wives. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's probably thinking that Jesus is a miracle that he's some sort of a water witcher that can bring up water and the water will always be available, that he can maybe even go to her home and perhaps water fish and there will be water. She's looking for that physical water. But Jesus is really upping the conversation. He's going to a different level. He's raising the level of their conversation to a whole different place. He's saying, I've got something for you you need as profoundly as your body needs water. As profoundly as we need that water for refreshing, Jesus is saying, I have something that you need that's even greater than that. And so Jesus embodies the gospel here where he meets the Samaritan woman. Last week we heard that in John 3, 16 and verse 17, that God so loved the world, the whole world, that he sent his only son, Jesus. But in verse 17, it says that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus is not there to condemn this woman for her lifestyle, for her being a Samaritan and him being a Jew. Instead, he's receiving her, he's meeting her right where she's at, and he talks about a gift. He said, if you knew the gift, that word gift is a word of grace. It's one that Jesus is saying to her, this is not something that you earn. This is not something you have the right to. But it's something that I have to give to you. It's a gift. And now to the heart of this 
Jesus is going to tell her about living water. And she says to Jesus, give me that water. Still not fully understanding what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is not forcing himself. He's allowing her to process all that he's speaking to her. And he comes to her now, and we read this. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Very interesting Jesus, it looks like he's changing the subject. It's no longer about water. Instead, he says to her, go and get your husband. That really doesn't seem to fit the discussion, the question that he's asking. But Jesus is not changing the subject. He's really helping her face her own situation. And we all know how quickly we can hide some of the things that are going on in our lives, that we can suppress them. We don't open them up and tell other people about them. We don't even tell God about them. I was visiting with a, a grandmother this week, an older lady in her 90s, and she said, it wasn't until I was 57 that I realized that God knew everything about me. He knew everything about me from the moment I was conceived in the womb. He knew everything that I was doing, everything that was happening in my life. She said, it was like a shock. But here Jesus is making himself known. He's making himself known that he knows everything about this woman's situation. And he knows that she's digging wells. She's looking for something to quench her thirst, to satisfy her thirst. But she's looking for that in there. We can all maybe perhaps in our own lives think where we are seeking to quench our thirst. Could be financial, could be in relationships, it could be in our job, it could be in all sorts of different things. That we're digging those wells, we're digging ourselves a hole, trying to find something that will satisfy us. Something that will quench our thirst. This woman had been digging wells, and Jesus knew that very well. But she didn't want to go there. She keeps changing the subject. She wants to bring up other questions about where to worship. She doesn't want to disclose her true self. And so she moves on with this worship discussion. It sort of becomes survival sometimes, and we think that we only want to worry about ourselves. But knowing your situation being socially and morally unacceptable, Jesus moves in a whole different direction, but still talking about this living water when he says, but now in John, every time Jesus refers to the hour, he's talking about his death. He's talking about him journeying to the cross to die for the sins of the whole world. Last week we had the mass the state of Missouri, the state of the United States, that God came to love the world. But we also had a 
whole universe, the map of the whole universe. But today I'd like you to make it very personal. That God so loved Rick. That God so loved Joseph. That God so loved him. That he gave his one and only son. He didn't come into the world to condemn us, but to save us. That Jesus himself is a journey to the cross. Embodying the gospel. The good news is that he has come to save the world. He has come to save you, and he has come to save me. And so we read on. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I will speak to you, and I. No longer will we need for a temple, no longer need for a sacrifice, because Christ is going to sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. The day of sacrifice is complete. It is done in Christ. Because Jesus said, I thirst. On the cross, it was not that thirst that we have for water, something to drink, but it was that cosmic thirst that he was separated from God. He was delivered into hell, he delivered into death for you and for me, taking the sins of the whole world. Jesus said, I thirst. He said, I thirst for you. I thirst for me. I thirst for the whole world. And I will take that all upon myself. And then he says, now we worship in spirit and truth. The spirit comes to us, which creates new life in us. That new life that the water of life brings to us. That Jesus, who is eternal life, brings to us in our lives. So that we can live here in this life. No matter what's going on in our lives. I was talking to some people this week, and you would think that the conversation would be COVID-19, but instead they were telling me struggles they were facing, a mother that had to send her mother to the nursing home because she had dementia. Another grandmother was telling me that her granddaughter now was hooked on heroin, back on heroin again, and they were trying to look for some place for rehab. Another person told me that their, their child was having a difficult time in second grade, and then on Thursday they spiked with a 103 fever. Another pastor who said, I have two sermons to do this week. Another pastor who said, you know, life goes on. Life is difficult. We live life. But we live life in this understanding that we have the Spirit. The Spirit of God that directs us to Christ through His death and His resurrection. And the truth is the reality of that that exists in us. That we are in Christ. That Christ is in us. That we die to ourselves we rise to new life. And that God continues to draw us together. Whether it be here or people that are watching this live. God is continuing to bring to us His Word. The Spirit and the truth. Really changing our identities. No longer was this woman's identity a Samaritan. No longer was it one of adultery, but it was one that Jesus.
Jesus was sharing with her his love. Still a sinner, but sharing with her at just the right time. See, Jesus came to save sinners. So God meets us where we are. So that we know that certainty that we need his pardon, we need his love, we need his grace. We need this gift in our life. We need his grace each and every day to remind us that his grace is sufficient for all that goes on in our lives. That our new law really is being here. Being here, being fed on the word of God. We thirst for that word that comes to us to give us that life that God can give to us. And it's not just one sip. It's that God will continue to pour out that water of life in our lives. I like what Peter said when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. First Peter said, no, and Jesus said, I must wash you if you want to be part of my life. And then Peter said, you know, wash all of You know, we can say to Jesus, you know, fill us with all the water of life that you have for us. And he continues to do that. So that we can embody the gospel as we go out into this world that we need. How might you this week be more like Jesus? How might you have that action of living this water of life that has come to you in Jesus Christ? How might you meet others where they are and be more like Jesus? I wanted to add these last two verses of John 4, verses 28 and 30. 30, let's read this together. So the woman left her daughter and went away into town and said to him, Come see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Isn't that interesting? She left her water jar and went away. What she didn't afford, you know, to get it water was not what she left. She left the living water of Jesus, eternal life. This is really what our city, what our neighborhood, what our country needs now more than anything. It needs that invitation that we invite people to come and meet Jesus. Come and meet him as he meets us where we are. And that we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us this week to many opportunities to meet people where they are at and to be able to embody the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I will leave you with this last question. How might we be more like the Samaritan woman? I'm not suggesting multiple spouses. I'm not suggesting that we live, you know, with someone out of wedlock. But how might we be more like her when we go out and we say to people, you know, come and see. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And you see the result. So the people were coming to meet him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The life of the Amen. Amen.